welcome to Truth for the Youth. Today I have a couple good friends with me, uh, Cole Borwick and soon-to-be Alyssa Borwick. How are you guys? <laughs> hey. Hello. Well, good. They're here to talk about uh, a topic they are incredibly passionate about. In fact, Cole noted, he said, this is how I got her to go on a date with me. Uh, we're talking about Calvinism and Arminianism um, in this brushstroke of what is called reform theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and our friend uh, Travis is helping us with all of the audio. So Travis is here with us. And he, he had a comment earlier this week. He said, Calvinism? I thought we were Christians. <laughs> and so many of you probably don't have any idea of what Calvinism is or what Arminianism is. And so, guys, I, I want to just give a really simplified version of what does this mean what why does this matter for us and so right away Mm -hmm. guys i want you to talk to me about what is reform theology what is yeah what is reform theology Mm -hmm. yeah so reform theology is a reference to the reformation so the reformation happened in the 1500s it was um a group of people who protested the catholic church okay Mm. So they did this because they believed that the Catholic Church was kind of initiating all of these rules and traditions that they believed actually didn't show up in Scripture. Mm. And so they began to um, create this theological movement where they started things such as Calvinism and Arminianism. Oh, so you're saying like Reformed is Mm -hmm. actually from this period called the Reformation. And so we're just basically saying this theology went through a change. Yeah. And so this change was for what, what other reasons? Cole, I want to hear like, what did, what, because I have people in my life, you know, Catholics or, or Mm -hmm. that believe Catholicism or maybe the traditions and like there's Protestant. I, I just, can you help me think through those? So some of the key doctrines that were kind of the product of the Reformation um, that were contrary to what the Catholic Church had been teaching was justification uh, by mm. faith alone, um, yeah. whereas in the Catholic Church it had been faith but also works um, mm. to earn your kind of right standing before God. And yeah. the reforma- the Reformers kind of, through reading the Bible, kind of found that the Bible actually says we're justified, we are made right with God s- solely um, by grace through faith. Awesome. So you're saying the only way we're actually saved from God is through Jesus. Yes. And there wasn't right. anything we could do to bridge that gap, but it was Jesus who had to come atone for us, uh, be our mediator, and so that we could get God. And these people were reading their Bibles like, uh, I don't think we could work our way to God. Mm-hmm. So, And so then uh, what is Calvinism? Mm-hmm. Essentially, Calvinism takes a very high view of the sovereignty of God. Hmm. So they believe that the only solution to our uh, hopeless condition, being sinners, being um, people of the world, is actually the sovereignty of God and this perfection of his plan. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before we dive too far, can you tell me just briefly what sovereignty mean? Yes. Sovereignty means the powerful nature of God, right? So God Mm. is all powerful over everything in the world. And that is what sovereignty means. Oh, cool. So like God can rule everything. He does rule everything. Absolutely. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And so I hear there's like five points to this whole Calvinism and it kind of is based upon a flower. What flower 
is is this represented? Tulip. So oh, I've so, been to the Pella Tulip. So that is how I got a date with Alyssa. Is I gave her a tulip. <laughs> no way. No, I'm just joking. But <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> so, can you talk me through these steps? Because I'm I'm interested about how does tulip relate to this thing called Calvinism? Sure. So tulip is so that's the five points. It's an acronym for. The five points. So the T is total depravity. The U is unconditional election. The L is limited atonement. The I is irresistible grace. And the P is perseverance or preservation of the saints. Yeah. And so if you're listening thinking, there's no way I'm going to remember these things. And I don't actually know what total depravity means or what is irresistible grace mean. Well, you're you're in for a good treat because we're actually going to talk about them point by point. We're going to briefly go through all of them. And so T, total depravity. What mm. is total depravity and, and what's that mean for us? Yeah, total depravity. So this is essentially saying that mankind is completely dead in their sins, right? So we are entirely corrupted by the ways of this world. On our own, independent of the Lord, we are unable to offer anything that is good or profitable. Hmm. Is this like in the book of Romans when it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Yes, exactly. Oh. Is, is there any other biblical emphasis here? Yeah. In the book of Ephesians, um, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, um, these verses kind of reveal the total depravity of mankind. They say, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So this scripture reemphasizes this depravity of mankind. Mm. Deprived from good. Exactly. In need of God. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> my takeaway. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now we're going to you. And you as an umbrella uh, in this tulip, we're going to unconditional election. And guys, I don't really know what that word means. Unconditional election. Help me think through that. Simplify. Where do we see that in the Bible? Sure. So unpacking that a little bit. So election, that's like a choice. So you're electing. But the election is being done by God, not by us. It's not any choice of our own. Um, this is a choice, an election that God makes from before the dawn of creation, before he's created man, before he's created anything. Um, he has elected us as those that he is going to save from sin. Wow. So it feels like this emphasizes the word Alyssa used earlier, sovereignty, like God is oh, yeah. all powerful Definitely. in determining if we're his children for all of eternity. Yeah. yeah. And so does this kind of relate to total depravity or this condition in which we talked about, we actually can't do good on our own. Like we can't save ourselves. So I feel like if we believe that, then we also have to believe it's up to God for saving us. There's total inability on our part to choose God on our own. And so that's where unconditional action. It actually is that God has chosen us from before time began and the unconditional meaning it wasn't based on any good that he saw in us 
there was no quality in us that he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to choose Austin or I'm going to choose Travis. I don't deserve that. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't, we don't actually deserve that at all. So it was, it was an entirely unconditional mm. election. He chose us. Yeah. So where do we see that in the Bible? We actually see that in the book of John. So the book of John chapter 15 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Mm. So, yes. Like he, he as our shepherd, like, yeah, grabbed us or he, it is up to him. Right. Exactly. Oh, very cool. So we're through total depravity, which means uh, we're dead in our sin and then unconditional election where we're talking about. It was actually God who chose us. And so that's a good news. But now we're moving moving to the L in the tulip. And so we're T-U-L as in lion. And we are at limited atonement. Uh, what does limited atonement mean? Limited atonement. Breaking the word down. The atonement is limited to God's elect. Limited atonement essentially is saying that the atonement... Um, is only effective for the elect. The sins of the elect are the only ones that are paid for. That is what limited atonement would say. All right. Well, that's confusing for me because doesn't that limit Jesus's effectiveness? If we're saying he is all powerful and he is God, like he is the representation of the deity of God represented in mankind, then wouldn't that be like, well, Jesus' death on the cross was kind of good, but like not kind of good for some. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, the response to that would be that it limits the extent of the atonement in that it doesn't extend to everyone, but it is unlimited in its effect, as in the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross is complete. It does everything. Our sins are paid for. There's yeah. no other price that needs to be paid. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a brushstroke over limited atonement. We're going to move to irresistible grace. That's the I, so we're T-U-L-I as an igloo, and we're at irresistible grace. This essentially means that the grace of God to extend salvation to people, it can't be resisted, okay? And so okay. it's a result of the Lord's free and undeserved power that he is extending this gift of salvation to us. Therefore, there is a certainty in salvation. So what, what like, what's the biblical basis for this, though? Because I, I know it on a personal level, but what does the Bible have to say about irresistible grace? Yeah. Again, in the book of John, we find this. So John chapter 6, it says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Perfect. So now we're on to the P. So we're T as in total depravity. U as an unconditional election, L as limited atonement, we're through I, irresistible grace, and we are moving into the P as in penguin for <laughs> perseverance of the saints. Uh, I don't even know what the word perseverance means, So or saints. So you guys want to talk to me about what is perseverance of the saints, this P of Calvinism? Yes, it stands for perseverance of the saints. So this is the belief that once you are saved, you will always be saved. This is the best news for believers and for Christians out there. So I got a question. What about my friends that seemingly have walked away from following Jesus? Because this sounds good from like a theological level, level but on a personal level, how to like help me make sense of that? Because it seems like, wow, you really love Jesus or you went to church as a kid, but... 
Your life doesn't look like it anymore. Perseverance of the Saints, talking about the Saints in particular. Like the New Orleans Saints, the football <laughs> team? Not them, necessarily. Um, saints as in God's elect, right? So those who are on the path of holiness, those who are consuming scripture, they are in communion with God. Those are the people that will never fall out of this grasp and protection mm. of the Lord. Very cool. Is there any, like, not just from you, but what's the Bible have to say about that? John chapter 10, it says, I give them eternal life, I being Jesus, and they will never perish, and mm. no one will snatch them out of my hand. So we're through the five points of Calvinism, but I, I want to talk about not everyone believes this. And so I, I have a few contrasting points that I want you guys to talk about. And so I feel like this is pretty heady. I feel like I'm on oh, an yeah. airplane at 30,000 feet. <laughs> and so if you're with me, join the club. But I want to talk practicality. What does this actually mean for me? Why does this stuff matter? And does it matter? It actually does. Because here's the thing. I think that this belief actually evokes our worship, right? So when we see the sovereignty of God as this like highly important, highly fundamental nature of his character that like stirs us up to praise him, to honor him, to be Mm. more in awe of him in the way that he is working throughout the world. Yeah. It's important because this is a mistake that can be made very easily by people that hold to a Calvinist view is kind of the pride of like, Oh, I'm elect. I'm one of the people that God chose, you know, like, it's That's like on not the, it's on the playground. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got picked on the football yeah. team, but you didn't. Is it like that? Yeah, no, it's like it's like that. And that's and that's a very that's a pitfall that people fall into that is not that's not meant to be what you should take away from this. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes the five points of Calvinism are called the doctrines of grace because it's basically showing that it's God's grace. It's out of mm-hmm. God's grace that he has done everything. So what these what these five points are meant to do is really erase any arrogance that Mm. you could possibly have. Um, It should erase any idea that you have brought about your salvation. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is a key verse. It says, it is first by grace you've been saved by faith and not by works so that no one can boast. Oh, So this should make us incredibly humble people. Yeah. As we realize it's like kind of being the worst player on the team. Yeah. Like you're actually on the oh, playground yeah. and it's like, I don't do anything to deserve mm. to be on this team. Yep. Yet the captain of this team is like, I want you mm. and I really want to use you Yeah, to be effective for, for our team. All right. So friends, we talked about how it actually is important and there is a very applicable um, understanding of knowing about reform theology but is there also a side where it doesn't matter? Definitely. Okay, talk to me about that. Because if I'm a teenager right now, am I, I don't want to be thinking, well, if I don't be, like know this or believe this, that I'm not a Christian. Is like help me think through that. Yeah, totally. If you're like listening to this and you're like, what? Like what are what are they talking about? I've never heard of these things. Like, am I not like for real? Am I not a real Christian? Calm down. You are. You don't have to be an expert in these things. You don't even have to believe them. You don't even have to agree with them. There are plenty of people that don't and are still um, awesome followers of Jesus. So, yeah, yeah, don't don't think that for a second. Yeah, because this isn't a salvation dependent issue. Right. And so if we get to the end of our lives and we are standing in the presence of Jesus and we find out that actually 
we were wrong about all of these little details that we thought we saw in scripture, guys, that is no loss to us because we believe first and foremost in Jesus Christ and in him crucified. And so that is the foundation of our faith. It is not these like, um, this lens of that we view scripture through. Awesome. So he's not going to say, hey, Austin, can you please explain to me the perseverance of saints? No way. He's going to say, here I am. (laughs) 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 Well, guys, that's good news. Uh, Have a good week. Amen. Cool. Cool.